Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. This podcast is also brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing top performing customer success programs. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I'm interviewing Sherrod Patching, the head of Global Technical Account Managers for GitLab. We're going to be talking about TAMs. What are they? Why a company might choose to have TAMs instead of or in addition to CSMs? And how GitLab has approached their choice of TAMs. So Sherrod, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get into TAMs, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into customer success? I can. I have an odd one, but I think most people probably most do. Most people have an odd one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear yours. <laughs> yes. So I um, I lived most of my life wanting to be a singer. I trained in music and spent time gigging on weekends. I, I actually moved to London when I was 19 um, as a oh, part wow. of my university course. Yeah, so lived there for 16 years. Uh, and wanted at the time to pursue musical theater and then got into bands and did all sorts of stuff, recordings uh-huh. and lots of different things. Uh, I got to 30 and realized that it was becoming highly unlikely that I was going to get signed or do anything beyond kind of gig work. Uh-huh. Um, so thought I would pivot into a real job in quotation marks. And if I ever got famous, I could always quit. And so here <laughs> I am in a real job a lot of years later, shall we say. <laughs> Awesome. So how, how customer success, did you start off in customer success when you, when you finished up your, your kind of singing aspirations or? Yeah, tangentially. So I started out actually in a, in a a digital media agency, but really customer facing. Um, So fell in love with that there, uh, but then met, met a team in a, in a a pilot of a company, sorry, a POC of a company, essentially, that oh, was okay. still in stealth uh, and, and joined them. What I liked about tech was the scalability of it. The, the agency was fantastic, but services could be challenged, of course, just because it's hard to scale yeah. people in the same way. So right. I loved the opportunity that tech provided. And from there, really fell into kind of customer facing client services, we called it back then. Uh, mm-hmm. And then from there, really began my career in customer success. That's awesome. Um, it You know, it's funny. I have now interviewed a lot of people for this podcast and it's surprising to me how many started in music and what it's making me think and I'd love your take on this is that music is such a creative field that um, it naturally kind of goes with customer success because customer success in order to work effectively with clients you have to be pretty creative sometimes I'm wondering if you see a connection there or not Yes, absolutely. There's something very creative for sure about technology and about the ability to innovate. There's also an interesting parallel between the 1% in music waiting to get famous. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go into tech and you're the 1% waiting to have some, some big events. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> oh, Silicon Valley. Um, yes. <laughs> so give us a little bit of background on GitLab. What does your you organization bet. do? 
Yes. So we are a DevOps platform. So okay. we are, are essentially an end-to-end single application DevOps platform. So we're looking to really fundamentally change the way that uh, dev and security teams and op teams collaborate together in one place. Um, so our, our kind of value drivers are uh, increasing operational efficiencies by removing some of the silos, by increasing cycle times, so getting products to market faster, and then reducing risk through security and compliance. Okay. Very cool. Yes. If you were in the DevOps world at all, that that may have made sense. And if not, then... <laughs> No, and I mean, and that kind of really leads into what we're going to talk about today, which is technical account managers or TAMs. So to set the stage, can you share what a technical account manager is and from your perspective, how that differs from a CSM? Sure. I have heard um, technical account managers or TAMs, as we call them, uh, considered a lot of different ways in the industry. But the way that we have it at GitLab is it is essentially a, a Technical CSM probably is the way that it's maybe most most commonly known. Okay. In in that you know sometimes I've seen other companies have a CSM on an account who maybe owns things such as business objectives and business reviews and some of that strategic overlay and then the TAM comes in to be purely that technical resource, but okay. our TAMs actually own both. Okay. So they own the customer lifecycle. We do partner with the account team, so the sales team who stay on the account for the purposes of like driving the upsells. Uh, but we really do own everything from truly and understanding the customer's desired business outcomes uh, through to ensuring that we have a success plan mapped out against those to, to, uh, that through to the holding of the executive business reviews and the soft questions that queue up renewal and, and all those pieces. So we, we own, we, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting hybrid role here. Where we own both pieces because they also need that technical know-how to be the trusted advisor. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about your profile for these people in a minute, but um, that is an interesting um, combination that it seems like it might be a little challenging to recruit for, but we'll get to that. Sure. <laughs> um, what you So you just have TAMs, and I know a lot of our clients have both CSMs and TAMs, and you mentioned that you've seen companies like that too. Why did you choose to go the route of just having TAMs? We actually started out, and it's before my time, but at one point we just had the the account team or the the sales team on the account. Uh, And I think we actually sold a TAM into an account where they were looking for that really trusted advisor to kind of guide them through key decisions on implementing the platform post-sales. And so there was an opportunity that presented itself. And so we sold one and then quickly hired one. It's my understanding of how this got started. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was a few years ago now. but we have found, you know, we have a very close partnership with the sales team. Um, we don't have an over the fence type of culture because of the fact the sales team stay on the account. So this, the sales team will sell the account and then for the life cycle of that customer will stay uh, kind of a strategic resource on that account. Um, so in regard to kind of having maybe the commercially led conversations, we don't have the need. So, and our TAMs, you know, to your point earlier about it being a challenging profile to hire for. Our TAMs are, do a fantastic job of really owning that uh, success plan with, you know, being able to map out the desired business outcomes. Um, so, so I think that the marriage of the two, having the, the salesperson who's on it and who's really wedded to ensuring the customer is successful and grows, aligning with a technical resource who also truly understands business objectives works quite well. So I, we haven't yet found a need for a third party in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes sense. And don't, 
don't fix what's not broken. <laughs> so um, far. Yeah. Um, how, how big of a, um, impact is it to this decision that you've made, um, that your, your organization sells to a technical audience? Was that part of why you went the TAM route? In part, yes. So I, uh, and this is before my time, so I'll be telling stories from, from what I have sure, understood. That's okay. uh, but yes, I believe in part it's, you know, I think sometimes every company considers a CSM differently. And, and historically, I've worked with CSMs who've been quite technical, albeit in a different vertical. Uh, but I think sometimes CSMs can be the ones who have the business conversations, but aren't necessarily the trusted advisor when it comes to more technical conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to ensure that our customers understood what they were getting in this resource, that it isn't yet another person who's trying to sell you something or who, who is going to kind of rehash business objectives without any understanding of how to get you towards them. And so we wanted to position this team in such a way that the, our customers understood that this is truly a technical resource in that we can engage around best practices. You know, we don't, we don't do hands-on keyboard. We're not a services team, but we draw mm -hmm. the line, you know, yeah. but, but we are that resource to them. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, how does that TAM profile, and this kind of goes along with what you were just saying a little bit, how does that profile enable your team to have a stronger conversation at the executive or the decision maker level? We, uh, I think because of the fact that we understand the platform and the best practices of the platform that, that gives us an audience with, so typically we're, we're dealing with kind of central DevOps, DevOps teams. I think what we have found in dealing or in working with executives is that oftentimes they're looking for, you know, they want us to solve their business problem. And so the more that we can are, be able to have the high and the low, the macro and the micro. So being able to articulate very clearly how we're going to solve the business problems for them, um, the ROI that's associated with that, and the value that they're going to receive, but then also to be able to follow that up with uh, credibility around the technology and the platform itself, then the more that, that really gains us an audience with the executives that we speak with. Yeah, I love that. I think that um, being able to go really deep with a client can be, um, can be incredibly helpful. And, I, you know, some CSMs that I talked to are like, ooh, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm prying, but I, I think people like answering deeper questions. <laughs> Yes. And, and sharing what it is they do. They do that for eight plus hours a day. It's like the thing that they're most expert at. So, yeah, I love that you look for people that can really go deeper on the conversation. Um, tell me about the ideal profile of a TAM that you hire. What are the skills and strengths you're looking for specifically? Yeah, I use that phrase macro and micro a lot, actually. Okay. So we're looking for someone who is able to be proactive with the customers. You know, so there's... We want to ensure that someone is able to articulate what matters to a customer. And it's not just answering questions when they come or being able to present features and functions, which, by the way, we have um, our, our pace of innovation is incredibly quick. So we have really robust re releases that happen on a monthly basis. And it, you could have a full time job just trying to show customers all the things that we've released in the last 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, that said, you know, customers get feature fatigue and they just want to know how they're going to get their problem solved. And having a bunch yeah. of new features is not particularly helpful oftentimes. Um, so we need someone who can indeed articulate the features and more importantly, why they matter to the customer based on what the customer is trying to solve for, but also to have that business conversation. And I think that's a it's a pretty unique profile of someone who could who can do both. 
where are you finding these people? Like, do you have sort of like a go-to um, source or is there kind of a type of company that you like to hire from where you're finding success or anything like that? Definitely people who have exposure in the DevOps world is, okay. is helpful. So when they understand the landscape of, of, of the, the vertical that we're already in, that's incredibly helpful. Some of our uh, TAMs actually have engineering backgrounds. Oh, okay. Um, so they've, they've had engineering. We've actually had some who've come out of consulting. So they're used to having a customer, you know, so they're both ah, engineering, okay. but also to have, have needed to present value in order to continue to work for customers. So that, that has been uh, a mix that's worked quite well for us. We've had uh, another one that's come across that actually was brought in to be an embedded engineer, but actually worked for a customer on our behalf. Um, so got to see, you know, the customer's requirements of us from, from that lens. So there's been a few different ways that we've been able to see kind of successful paths into real excellence in the TAM role. Um, and we all, actually, one of our very strong TAMs also comes from a non-technical background completely, where they just, they understand um, asking good questions and have a natural curiosity and an aptitude to learn that has made them excellent at what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So Sherrod, I know you're also working on a digital customer success program for your smaller clients. Can you share how you see the TAMs contributing to and benefiting from that program? Yes, you bet. So I'm super excited about digital. This yeah. is one that's been really fun for us. Um, so we, just to kind of give context, so today our customers are, work with the TAM if they pay 50K or above. Okay. Uh, so we have 19,000-ish customers that have access to our docs and our, uh, our forum and, and our YouTube channels and all those kind of great things. But we wanted to do something additionally for those customers also to really give them a guided journey. Okay. Uh, so our so our commercial TAMs actually got together. They're uh, the TAMs that deal with customers of a smaller company size. Okay. Uh, and they they went, got together and kind of created this brain trust to, to establish what are the types of things that we see our customers struggling with. What are the questions and the roadblocks that we see co uh, consistently through the onboarding? And then how would we potentially address some of that through content? So could we get there first and guidance around best practices and setups to reduce the analysis paralysis or maybe technical roadblocks. So they did that and then each kind of took on a subject and created this onboarding content. 
Uh, we had someone from our growth marketing team go over it for like consistent tone of voice and that kind of thing, but they built all the that path and, and the content. Uh, and then we shipped it in Q3 of last year was the first iteration. And it was so exciting. We actually, at the end of the onboarding, sent out a survey to ask for feedback on the content. Uh, and one of the free text elements that we got back from one of the users was just, you were the only uh, vendor in our space that is doing anything proactively. Thank you. Oh, that's amazing. I love it when you get that uh, great feedback right at the beginning of a project because then you know you sort of I feel like with a project like that it's so much work and you sort of send it out into the world and you're not sure how it or if it's even landing with people so to get that back at the beginning is great oh it was Congrats. so exciting to see thank you yeah so from <laughs> there we're, uh, we're rolling out enablement uh, so we've just started kind of beyond onboarding kind of use case based enablement uh, and we're just starting to set up triggers so that if we can see free product usage data that a customer wasn't using a certain feature set essentially, and they begin to then trigger this campaign to go. Uh, and so I think one of the things we've really learned is that anything is better than than nothing. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think it's easy to overbake digital and try and have these really complex strategies before you launch anything. But just getting out there and getting proactive guidance to customers is so appreciated. And so we've, we've been really excited to see where this is going and are now building that out. Uh, and then what we'd like to see this year is then how do we then augment the town assigned program to also have this too. So our digest potentially around our releases. We send a release blog and it's great, but maybe even a five minute video from the town saying here are what we think are the most interesting parts. Or we're starting to explore some of that, but like how do we create that additional personal touch through digital programs? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I want to just offer some advice, if you can, to people in the audience who might be struggling with similar things. So if there was someone in our audience who's building out their team and they're considering either adding TAMs in conjunction with their CSMs or just kicking off the entire team with TAMs, kind of like you did, what are the biggest recommendations you have for them based on your experience? I would say it depend on how technical the product is and how technical okay. they would need to this person or these people to be to be successful. Um, I think in my this is in my experience at least at GitLab, if you're hiring a technical person, it's probably easier to hire them into the title of town, where you know there's there's an acknowledgement of their skill set in addition to what they're doing around lifecycle and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that gives kind of directional guidance, but the definitely I think the town title is an easier one to potentially source people out of engineering backgrounds. Because um, it feels okay. like less of a shift, whereas customer success management or managers is maybe less recognized in the development spaces. Uh, and so, so there's a bit more of a stigma around the title itself. Uh, I think aside from that, then mapping out what it is you're looking for these people to do. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if you're, some products are, are just, you know, you can onboard yourself and you don't need a lot of technical guidance and handholding throughout. It's, so maybe unless you're talking third-party integrations at some point, you wouldn't need necessarily a TAM or some of that profile on the account. Okay. So it's a very general answer, but hopefully that gives oh, some Oh, I think direction. that gives people some <laughs> good direction. Yeah. Okay. So this is our last question. We asked this of everybody, and this is just a chance for us to talk about other stuff. Um, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success today and why? I love I mean, trend. Um, I think there's a lot of trend that I'm seeing around kind of experience mapping and 
ensuring that we, I was actually on a call yesterday with a, a group of, of leaders in the CSMs together and we're starting to look at uh, like the MVE, the minimum viable experience, which I thought was a very interesting way of looking at things. Cool. Uh, how do you, you know, I think oftentimes we can get these journey maps that become so complex, they almost uh, become exhausting to look at, yeah. <laughs> much less implement. Uh, and so I love the idea of just what's the minimum viable that we want our customers to go through as an experience for them to be successful and to receive value. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, I'm seeing more and more, there are definitely a lot more kind of CX focused teams and resources becoming available as you think about, it's not just about rolling out products, but also about mapping that customer experience throughout that, uh, throughout the customer's lifecycle on the platform itself. As you were working on that um, minimal viable experience, what were, I guess, what was the way that that was being visualized? So it's actually one that's kind of up for debate. So the way oh, okay. that I've seen it done, yeah, the way that I've seen it done is actually teams in a room with sticky notes. There's actually oh, okay. someone on the call who's done it through yeah. kind of a data-driven approach of like, where are we seeing customers drop off and how do we use it that to then kind of augment the journey. But I think the, the common consensus coming out of yesterday was getting the teams in the room really before you launch a feature is the ideal time. So if you can be thinking about the experience as you launch or as you build a product, um, yeah. then you get a lot more cohesion amongst the teams. Uh, and I think that the point about data was interesting in that when you agree to disagree on approach, then anything you can do to augment that conversation with data that helps to really drive things forward. Yeah. Well, Sherrod, I really appreciate you joining me on today's podcast. I learned a lot about TAMS. I appreciate you being willing to share your thinking and approaches to the role. Um, thanks so much. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, how should they reach out? Yes. So my email at GitLab is S for sugar patching, P-A-T-C-H-I-N-G okay. at GitLab.com or LinkedIn is just forward slash Sherrod patching. Either way, I'd love to hear from people. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sherrod. I also want to thank our sponsors, StrikeDeck and the Success League. To learn more about StrikeDeck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.